you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. Fam Chotty here. Welcome to uh, season four of I Crying Corners. We're kicking off season four. Technically, I think it's episode like 30 something. Um, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you have been part of the fam for a while, I've missed you. And I've got some exciting news to share. And that's why um, I'm jumping into our regularly scheduled uh, 10 episode seasons to share with you some exciting news that I'm going to need a couple episodes to do. So um, if you will give me four uh, episodes of this 10-episode season, and then I will, I promise, continue the things that actually are a thing. Um, But I want to share with you that I finished my book. It's kind of a big deal, and um, it's a big deal for me, and I want it uh, to share with you guys because you guys have been such an integral part of it, even though you may not know. Um, And it'll be available this summer. Okay, so I wrote a book. It's called Nomad, A Survival Guide to Wilderness Seasons. And um, if I don't run into any hiccups, it's going to come out in June. So I'll be praying as there are tons of moving parts. Okay, well, this is huge. This is like big, huge deal in my world. And um, you're a huge deal in my world. And I thought the best thing I could do is combine Nomad and I Cry in Corners and then maybe give you a brief uh, synopsis, a brief season, like a mini season based on the book. So for the next four weeks, next four episodes, I'll be talking solely about the book, uh, why it matters, how it pertains to you, and the reasons why you need to embrace its message. Right now you're like, yeah, right, you just want us to like buy the book. Yeah, no, 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 no. I just feel like I need to say this at the get. So if you don't know me and you don't know me well or you've been listening for a while, then you should know by now that I'm not out to be a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote the book because one, God told me to, and um, I want to be a person who's obedient. And two, because the message of this book was life-changing for me. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that it can be life-changing for you as well. See, I'm not scared to do something a little scary, even though this is like super duper scary for me as... The first book I wrote when I was 28, 27 years old, there's like eight boxes in my garage covered in dust. I never did anything with them. Uh, I was obedient to write it, but I wasn't obedient to uh, pursue what I needed to pursue to be able to get it out there. And um, it's funny, I go back and I read it now and it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And like, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know enough. And um I think I heard Jackie Hill Perry say that this morning on a podcast, like you only know, you only know what you know, but you can know a little bit, but you don't know enough. And I, def- I definitely jumped the gun in writing that book, but I was obedient in a season where God told me to write. And when God told me to start writing this next book, um, to be honest with you, I was like, ah, God, I'll do it. But to be honest with you, um, I just don't need another eight boxes of books in my garage. And I felt like God said, you know, um, just do it, just do it and see what happens. And so, um, I don't know what it's going to look like. (laughs) God told me to do it. And I believe that the message is life changing. It's also the story of my life and the story of the things that I've struggled with. And it's very personal and scary and I'm freaking out. I don't know if you can tell totally freaking out right now, but I want to give you the 10 vessel version of the book and the why behind the book. And, uh, yeah, like I want people to, to take it and understand that, 
it's something that could really change your life. Charlie, what are you talking about? Well, okay, so it's called Nomad, right? Uh, wilderness seasons, like how to survive wilderness seasons. Well, this is my thought on wilderness seasons as they are absolute. You can't fight them. You will never miss out on them. Um, but you can thrive and help people in the midst of them. I knew this hypothetically as I've grown up in a Christian home my entire life and I've been serving God for 75% of my life, but I never really lived this out until an experience um, that happened to me. Um, and the experience was the loss of, of my grandmother. Um, I lost my grandmother when I was 33 years old. It was she's She was one of the most significant voices in my life as she helped to raise me. Um, and I was 33. I was living my best life. I was working at one of the largest churches in the nation. I was overseeing one of the most thriving ministries of that church. And um, I was rocking at my marriage and rocking at everything. And um, her loss broke me. Uh, note, I was already broken. I just didn't know it. Um, see, that's what wilderness seasons do to us. They reveal us. And it revealed me. And um, I had a full-on breakdown. Oh, great, Chadi. Uh, pretty much you wrote a book about you being crazy. No, no, shush, shush, you don't know what I'm talking about. I wrote a book about the wilderness seasons. I wrote a book about how wilderness seasons reveal you, and if you can accept them and embrace them and become a, the bare grills of your season, uh, you can help a lot of people. I've had bad things happen to me, and I've cried in my share of corners, but that corner specifically I couldn't pull myself out of. Have you guys ever had that happen where you were in a corner that you couldn't pull yourself out of? My grandmother dying was one of those things. Um, see, that wilderness season, I, I now, I lovingly call exile. That's what I felt like, exile. Made me realize I wasn't thriving in the corners of life at all. That's what her loss showed me, is that I really wasn't thriving. I actually had no real understanding that my life wasn't meant to be lived from successful to, like, like it was like mountaintop to mountaintop. It was like I, li I was living my life from awesome moment to awesome moment, but... I wasn't navigating the truth of my life and the truth of what we're all called to do, which is to survive the valleys and the wildernesses so that we can help others or pull them out of wilderness seasons or what we all lovingly call corners and um, help them get mountaintop moments. So why does this matter? Well, because our entire lives will be lived in some kind of wilderness, some kind of exile. So I would just suggest we just get great at navigating storms Learn where the watering holes and trenches are and get a cool hipster patch or, like me, a tattoo that says Nomad, because that's who we are meant to be. As our people out are out there and they need Jesus and, gosh, we, may be their, we might be their only help. So, this is where I tell you I'm a product of exiles, like real-life refugees, um, people who lost everything in Cuba and during the 1950s. So my entire life I've watched and I've learned to thrive watching my grandparents and my parents struggle. I watched people who didn't know the language and who didn't know the culture. I watched them adapt. I watched them thrive. I watched them love Jesus. I watched them love each other. And they did this in a land that was never meant for them. See, my grandmother left Cuba when she was 33 years old. <laughs> I talk about it in the book. I don't even know if I can do an audible of the book because I can't even talk about it right now without crying. So I don't really think somebody wants to sit with me for 10 chapters while I cry. But you guys do it every week. So I think maybe I might just try to pull it off. I don't even know what I was talking about. 
exiles. I'm a product of refugees. I didn't realize... Oh, I didn't realize that they actually thrived in their life until my grandmother passed away. I actually thought how stupid of all the things that they had done. And I didn't even honor the things that they had suffered through so that I could have this amazing life until she passed away. And it was as I walked out her loss that God began to show me that I actually was a refuge as well. Even though I was born in this country, I was a person living in exile but I wasn't an exile like from a country. I was an exile from him. See, we're all people meant for eternity. We're garden people. Uh, we're garden people who live in the temporal and walk out daily the muck and mire of wilderness situations. And for the sake of the podcast, uh, we walk out corners and we survive corners and we pull people out of corners. And when my grandmother passed away, I began to realize that actually I was a person that was meant for more. That we're all people that are meant for more. And as a result, we have to become nomads. Gangsters of the wilderness. Yep, nomads. The people that always know where the water is, where the quicksand is, where the greatest mountain peaks are. So we can find the best perspective. And also, uh, where the best areas for rest and reflection are. And that's what this book is about. It's about becoming a nomad. It's about understanding what your life was called to do, which is survive the wilderness. I used to think that life was all about chasing mountaintops. But really, life's about thriving in the valley because fruit grows in the valley. People are in the valley. So why does this matter? Well, because God loves exiles. He blesses those in exile. And if we look at the life of Daniel in the Bible, we find that miracles happen in exile. God speaks to us in exile. Blessings happen in exile. And when Eve decided to become a vegan, we all stepped out of perfection of eternity and into the muck and the mire of temporal. And thankfully, Jesus set us on a path to gain back all the amazingness we were meant for. Um, but until the day comes when we will see him face to face, we're exiles. We are wilderness people. And now that you know that, don't you want to be the gangster of the wilderness? I do. I want to be the gangster of the wilderness. I want to be like the best person ever. That's why I started I Cry in Corners. I just couldn't call it like, what is it? I Cry in the Wilderness? You, that sounds weird. So I felt like I Cry in Corners sounded better. But like if you knew your entire life was going to be lived in some kind of wilderness, wouldn't you be freaking awesome at the wilderness? Wouldn't you want to know what essentials you need to thrive? Wouldn't you want to know what the weapons you need to hone? Wouldn't you want to know where the pitfalls are and what to avoid and what people to hold on to and what people to let go of? Well, that's why I wrote the book. That's why I wrote the book because there's this story that I found during that season where I was just crying and losing it and didn't know how to see God or hear God in the middle of my brokenness. I thought it was like the worst season of of just... It was like a storm I couldn't I couldn't get out of. And in Jeremiah 24, Jeremiah has a vision. And it's right after they've been taken over by Babylon. And the people of Jerusalem are being um, taken into exile. And uh, it's in Jeremiah 24. It starts at, I'm starting at verse 2 where it says, One basket, this is the dream he had. It says, One basket had very good figs, like those that are ripened early. And the other basket had very bad figs, uh, so bad that they couldn't be eaten. But then the Lord asked, what do you see, Jeremiah? And he said, figs. I answered, the good ones are very good, but the bad ones are bad. You can't eat them. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
Like these good figs I regard as good. These are the exiles from Judah whom I've sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. I'll be honest with you, the first time I ever read that, it kind of pissed me off because I was like, I'm sorry, did you say the good figs are the ones, God, that you sent into exile? Are you saying that exile is good, God? Are you saying wilderness seasons are good? Because that trek of the wilderness must have sucked. It really bothered me. I was very upset about it. But in 6, it says, my eyes will watch over them for their good. And I will bring them back to this land and I will build them up and I will not tear them down. I will plant them and I will not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me and I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. So why does this matter? Well, because like Jeremiah, this life, this exile that you're going to live in until eternity, these wilderness seasons that you're going to face regardless whether you think you're not facing them, I don't want you to look at them as negative. I don't want you to look at them as godless seasons. These are seasons uh, where you are not abandoned, where God is with you. But the truth is wilderness seasons are seasons where God shows himself the most faithful. And it's an exile in the treks through the wilderness where his eyes are watching over you, where he's writing a plan for your redemption, where he's building you up in a season and where he's putting his name on your life. So that's why I wrote the book to shine light on the truth behind wilderness seasons, to equip people to thrive in wilderness seasons. And that's why it matters. I love verse 6. It says, My eyes will watch over them for their good. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know if you feel like you're in exile. I don't know if you feel like you're stuck. Like I felt stuck. You are not alone. I love the part where he says, I will build them up and not tear them down. He even promises redemption, that he'll bring them back to the land. He will plant them and not uproot them. I just want to encourage you, no matter what season you're in, whether you're in ministry, whether you're just a mom, whether you work in the marketplace, no matter where you find yourself today, God is watching you. God is with you. You are not alone. There is purpose. There is a plan in the muck and mire of wilderness seasons. And My prayer and in my hope is as we go through these weeks that you'll be empowered to understand that you're meant to be a gangster of the wilderness. You're just a nomad like the rest of us. And it's important to understand those things because once you get it, you can encourage other people. A couple years ago, I was at a conference and my pastor, the one who did the um, season finale, the last season finale, she was preaching on generations. And um, there's four generations always on the earth at the same time. It's a, it's She got it out of a book called The Fourth Turning. And um, I'm totally going to jack it up. I should literally pause this and go get the book, but I'm not going to. So just Google it. And if I screw it up, then you just know my heart. I didn't mean to. I'm not quoting it. Four generations on the earth at, at the exact same time. Or, or at some time, there's going to be these four generations. So the first generation is is the hero generation. The last generation on the earth that was a hero generation is the World War II generation. Like the greatest generation that ever lived. They're called heroes. And then after that um, is, I think it's the artists, and then the prophets, and then the nomads. And then it kicks off again. Hero generation. Artists, prophets, nomads. Okay, now I'm going to pause this because I really want to go find out and make sure I said that right. Hold on.
Okay, I'm back. Yeah, I totally got that right. It's the hero generation, the artist generation, the prophet generation, and then the nomads. Okay, uh, you can go to the fourth turning dot com. I think that's what it was. Jeez, I totally just jacked that up. Hold on. Fourthturning.com. Yeah. And you can read all about it. Get the book. It's really cool. Anyway, she was preaching about it. She was talking about generations. She was talking about like passing the baton. And this was like, I had to be maybe 35 at this time. So my grandmother had passed away when I was 33. I was 35 at the time. I was trying to see God in everything. I even got a tattoo on my arm saying, I'm just trying to see God in everything. And um, she said, you know, uh, the next generation, the next hero generation that's going to do great things are the millennials. The millennials are the hero generation. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, we're passing the baton. The nomads, she's like, the artists, the prophets, the we're passing the baton to the millennials. The millennials are going to are gonna go on and do great things. And then she like named the years of millennials. And I was like, wait a second, hold on. I'm going to need you to do that math again because I do not... Uh, qualify as a millennial. I am a generation Xer. That means I'm a nomad. What the crap? And so she went on to say she like stood them up. It was like this really beautiful, powerful moment and people are crying and they're laying hands on all the millennials. I love millennials, by the way. I'm going to write a book one day called Fun and Feelings. It's going to be my letter to you. Anyways, so everyone's praying. It's like this most epic, holy moment. And I was so mad. I was like, crap, I'm a nomad? What the heck is a nomad? Nomads didn't do anything. We're the smallest generation on the earth. We had this really tiny window, did nothing except for give the world Nirvana and Madonna, and that's it. And we did nothing. Oh my God. I was just so mad. I was like, what do you mean you're passing the baton? I never got a, I never got a, I never, I never held the baton. So like, what? And I went home and I was so mad. I was like, what a stupid message. Why did she preach that? I have so discouraged. And then I started praying and I felt the Lord say something that completely changed my life. See, the nomads are sandwiched between the prophetic and the hero generation. The nomad generation. We're meant to bridge the gap between the prophetic and the heroes. It's our job to be gangsters of the wilderness for those that are coming behind us and for those to understand and bring the wisdom of those that have gone before so this nomad thing it's not just something that i think is cool because my i grew up from exiles and i understand sacrifice because they sacrificed everything for me no i'm telling you because it with everything in my bones i believe that our calling and our oh chani i'm a millennial i'm a hero cool 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, like, everyone is meant to be a nomad in one way or another. I may understand the importance of it a little bit more because it's part of my generation, but we're all meant to be nomads. We're all meant to be awesome at finding watering holes when there is none. We're meant to be awesome at finding where the quicksand is so people don't fall into it. Every one of us will enter into a nomadic season, and it is your job to be awesome at it. It's your job to be awesome at it. And that's, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book to tell you that. You know, my, during the, um, the revolution, my grandparents hid, um, their visas under the tiles of their house and they tried to escape like five different times. And finally on that fifth time they escaped. My grandmother was 33 years old. She left everything behind. My grandfather, they left everything behind so that one day their grandchildren, would be born into freedom. 
So my entire life, I've understood sacrifice. I've understood what it meant for people to love me so much that they gave up everything. Some of you are going, what does that have to do with me? Well, there was someone who came to this earth, who lived on this earth, and he thrived in a wilderness season, and he sacrificed everything for you. So though this story that I wrote and that I talk about in the book is about sacrifice and having people who sacrificed for you, you had someone who sacrificed for you and his name is Jesus. And so none of us have the luxury to not love and live and thrive in wilderness seasons because he gave up everything. He gave up his kingship. He gave up his throne to come down into the muck and mire and be put on a cross for every single one of us. So the story's not just my story. This story's your story. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I wrote it for you. Because now you're going to become part of my story. So, yeah. That's it. That's why it matters. So the book comes out in June. I literally just cried through the entire 21 minutes, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, because this podcast is called I Cry Corners. Um, also, guys, um, I'm trying to get, um, like, trying to get my, like, write more blogs and make more YouTube videos, which I loathe doing on so many different levels, um, but make sure you're following me on Instagram and the Facebooks, as I'm gonna try to post more, but I just told you that I'm old and I'm a nomad, so... I'm not really great at it, so, but follow me, uh, retweet, reshare, all those things that you hero generation people do, and continue being awesome, because you're loved, and uh, you're meant to be gangsters of the wilderness, and uh, I can't wait, guys, I cannot wait to share this message with you, so, um, yeah, I'll see you next week, uh, love you weirdos.